Former shepherd and union organiser Bill Bradford reflects on his many years looking after first flocks of sheep and later disadvantaged workers in his first poetry collection, No Rising of the Sheep. Bill lives in Wellsford these days where he's been writing a lot about his time on the land. We start with one of his poems where he's remembering a morning in the mountains in 1973. I'm not alone. Above me in the mountains are sheep without wool. A nursery flock. Some are sleek, the huge greys will lie about in groups. Lithe lambs leap over rocks. Butt heads play. If I can see them, they can see me. Who knows what harm I bring? They mob up, move quickly to higher ground, disappear. I scan the mountain, but they are gone, camouflaged in some crack or cranny, chewing as they wait for me to leave their home. An unwanted intruder has no reason to feel put out when treated cautiously as a threat to life. I meander back along the trail, my head stores pictures to pull out and re-examine every now and then. Bill, first of all, your life you encapsulate, in fact, in your last poem called Words, you take us from a boy um, to retirement. But when did writing poetry in this busy life of yours, when did you start writing? When I, when I was a kid in primary school, I actually wrote a few poems and, and enjoyed it. And then you know, life interfered and didn't really do it until I retired, although very occasionally I would write something down. I had this period where I, I couldn't understand what poetry was. It left me feeling totally confused, and I kind of gave up on the idea of ever being able to, to write it. And then when I retired, I started playing around and I thought I'd you know, write a few short stories or things. And I kept writing this stuff and it kept coming out and I didn't really know what it was. Um, So I thought it might be poetry. But I mean, it amazes me in some ways, Bill, because when you're writing about your time as a shepherd, your memory is so very clear. I mean, it might be helping get a a half-born lamb um, out of a a ewe who's struggling or or chopping up an old dead ram to feed the poor old hungry dogs. You know, these moments that you have seem to be clear as a bell for you. I mean, part of it was, you know, the work is sort of quite physical and required quite a lot of focus. But the other thing that helps memory, the surroundings that I've worked in, you know, for a lot of my life are incredibly beautiful. And so you have this visual image of yourself and these things that you're doing in, the, in these surroundings. They've kind of remained with me. I tell you what, the poem's about your sheepdogs, workmates, you call them, but more than that in so many ways, I just adored. And there have been quite a few uh, that you're remembering in the collection. I still dream about some of my dogs quite frequently. And now and again, I'll have a bit of a nightmare where in that nightmare, I've left these dogs in their kennels and not fed them and I've disappeared. And I'm ter- and I wake up terrified. I've left these four dogs for years and I haven't fed them. So each one that you part with, and of course, when you're a shepherd, your team is, you know, you're adding to it. You're selling some sometimes for extra income. You'll sell a well-trained dog off because it's worth a lot of money and the, the wages aren't high. And so, you know, you end up parting with them quite often. But the memories of them, well, for me, the memories of each dog remain very, very clear and their character remains very, very, very clear. And so they pop into my mind, individual dogs from time to time a particular thing that's happening around me will remind me of a particular dog. Bill, what about the personalities of sheep? Because we don't 
think of them having much in the way of personality. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's a mistake. I mean, commonly, you know, there's a derogatory term of sheeple that people who are accused of blindly following leaders uh, are, are compared with sheep. But in sheep, in fact, are, you know, they're intelligent animals and they, they, they form great friendships with each other. So the ewes love to just hang out together, sit down, and if, once they're full of food, they'll sit down the little groups of their particular friends. Even, even a flock of thousands, they have particular friends, and they have um, particular characteristics. And of course, you know, they are, they're animals of flight, not fight. So if there's, if there's a danger, then one of their number will try and lead them out of that, out of that danger, and of course, the others will follow. But there's nothing particularly stupid about that. When you look at humans, we follow leaders that lead us into war, that lead us into poverty, or they're leading us into, into the uh, climate destruction of the, of the whole planet at the moment. And they're doing that full knowledge that they're doing it and people are following them. Sheep don't knowingly follow another sheep into danger. In fact, you know, they'll, they'll split off if they think their leader is going the wrong direction and they'll split off and all follow another leader. You mentioned before that your time as a shepherd uh, saw you spend time in just some of those beautiful places. And I was just thinking when I was reading, and it did make me laugh, this one, a five-stage guide to processing firewood. Important notice, following these instructions can make you make you wet and whiffy, <laughs> which I adored. Yes. And, then, and then it's very practical advice. And then stage five, spoiler alert, plant some more trees. And I just thought that was such a, a sublime four words at the end of a, a poem that was very practical. Like it really is a guide to processing firewood. Yeah, yeah. That, so that means I've I worked in, with trees a lot. And at the time that I wrote it, I was, in fact, doing firewood. Um, I'd retired, but I had a little firewood business on the side. So I was, I was thinking about those particular things. And, and always, uh, climate change is so ever-present in my consciousness. And I think in the consciousness of, of so many of us at, at present uh, um, that... You know, it keeps intruding into whatever I write. What's also so interesting about this, and I'm, I'm with you out in the fields and with the dogs, and then we come into uh, poems that relate to your time as a unionist, and False Friend just made me catch my breath. It's an appalling story that clearly you heard many examples of in your time, and, and this is um, a, a woman working the night shift with a male worker taking advantage yeah, and, and this is not an un, uncommon thing. I mean, I'm actually back working as a, a union organiser again. My retirement lasted five years, and I'm, I'm back organising again for a while at least. But that 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 sort of story is still you know, just far too common. And the misuse of power uh, in the in the workplace, you know, it's, it's a major issue and, and does leave people traumatised. In that particular case, you know, it was it was, it was about uh, uh, male versus female, but the but there are young men or older men are bullied by their bosses and women are, are bullied by female bosses as well. It's a, across the board, that, that type of bullying thing, it's awful. doesn't seem to be getting any better. No, that's right. I mean, and again, this really resonated. You got, because the, you know, she complains and, and the employer takes action. You've got Julia's evicted, no money for the rent, packs her kids and granny in her battered car, camps up in a quiet spot at the local park. And that entirely the sort of stories that we've been hearing about where people are left bereft and homeless. You know, within the, in the union movement, we are able to intervene 
and provide support and eventually legal remedies. We were talking about sheep before, and as you and I speak, we're coming back into you know tourism is once again um, happening here, and we're going to be having tourists from overseas astonished, wanting to learn more about sheep. <laughs> They're a little bit exotic for them and going to sheep exhibitions where they're sharing that sort of thing. And that was a very thoughtful poem, Sheep World. It starts in one direction, and then uh, when we come to the second part, refugees, uh, very, very moving. Is that something that you observed? Yeah, yeah, that actually happened. And it was a shocking moment, really. At, at, I was working, running the sheep shows in the sheep world, and a busload of refugees turned up. And they were quite different to many of the loads of tourists. They were rather more subdued than they had people that were showing the country of them. Um, and they were mainly Afghanis. And so we started going through the show. And part of the show is um, I start sharing a sheep and then I invite people to come up and have a try with me standing beside them. And so this, this guy came up and he, he had an arm missing. He, he started telling me and everybody else um, how he'd been a shepherd and how, you know, how good he was at all of this. At shearing, you know, and he started trying to shear the sheep, and then he just dropped the handpiece and, and and just sunk down to the ground and started weeping. Um, yeah. That's what led me into other other poems where I started looking at the effect of war and how the shepherd so often has been the victim of wars and of and and of you know global game playing by powerful people, um, and so it, it directly led me into. Um, down that road of, of of looking at shepherds as victims of man's greed for the oil or whatever else resource there happens to be on the land that they're occupying. Um, and also to look a little bit about the whole um, biblical aspects of uh, the role of the shepherd. Another distinctive element of your collection, The Rising of the Sheep Bill, is the illustrations. Tell me about Thomas. Okay, so Thomas is a, he's a well-established Northland artist. He's a friend of mine. He's been a friend for, for many, many years. He lived it for a long time in a place called Waipiro Bay in the Bay of Islands. And we took our yeah, holidays every year since the early 80s, straight across the road from, from where he lived. So that's how long we've known him. He's immersed himself in uh, the Māori world and uh, um, learnt the language and, and done a lot of paintings quite well known, some of them are quite iconic images. If you if you drive through Northland, you'll see you'll see posters of that his art everywhere. So when I did when I started writing some poetry and I thought it would be really lifted if if I could um, have something to run alongside it. And then I thought of Thomas and I thought, Jesus, I don't know whether I'm brave enough to ask him. Uh, um, you know, he's sort of a a well-established artist, and here's me scribbling away at some poetry, asking him if he will do some drawings to go with it as maybe sort of taking advantage of a friendship too much. But I, I screwed up my courage and asked him, and he, and he was very happy. He took my palms away, and he was, he was, you know, he liked them, and he was very happy. No Rising of the Sheep, Poems by Bill Bradford is a Mary Egan publishing publication. The collection is filled with pencil drawings by Thomas uh, Lauterbach, and apologies for the quality of the Zoom connection.